All right, man, let's get in the car. We're going to be late for the show. Hey, sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, did you get the directions they sent you? Yeah, I got them. Oakwood, right. Okay, I, I put in a GPS. We should be good to go. Turn right. Turn right in 300 feet into glowing portal. Hmm, that's weird. You have arrived at your destination. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. It's episode zero. Uh, excited to bring this show to you guys. I, I am Paul Stebman, and joining me, partner in crime, is Kevin Hornsby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And this is something we've been um, like gestating and, and like uh, carrying internally for months now. We've been talking about it, and we're finally doing it, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's um, going to be great. I'm uh, super excited to talk about some of these episodes. Absolutely. So uh, just to kind of get it right out there, um, we this is going to be a Twilight Zone-focused podcast. We're going to uh, watch the series in order. Um, we may take some detours here on these strange highways. Uh, like, you know, we we'll plug the show in the first minute of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll stop, pick up uh, some corn on a cob or whatever's weird stuff you find on the side of the road. Uh, we're going to, we're going to sneak in some, uh, probably some Alfred Hitchcock presents. We're going to sneak in some outer limits, but the, the crux of this is going to be the twilight zone. And I hope you guys do join us for this experience. Cause I know for me, I love the twilight zone. I have not seen a lot of it. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I grew up watching it a lot when I was younger and, uh, a lot of them I either don't remember or haven't seen. So this is kind of be a learning. There's going to be kind of a learning curve for me on these. Well, and, and for me, it was like there was the, the revival in the 80s on CBS that used to be on like primetime. And I remember watching that growing up. Yeah. And there was some real trippy episodes there. Like there was one in particular that scared the life out of me. Maybe we'll watch it here and see if I'm still scared by it. Um, but I just like something about that, like uh, amazing stories, Tales from the Crypt, uh, monsters, um, tales from the dark side. I love anthology, short form TV anthology, like stories like this. I love what it. What about, what about the, uh, Friday the 13th series? Oh, with, um, the, 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 the cursed objects. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like, yeah, exactly. That's kind of like, I like this. Um, I do feel that everything kind of does. owe like, uh, recently, like the X-Files revival, like the, the X-Files owes a lot to the twilight zone. Um, I like that there's a lot of serious television and film writers that took this as an opportunity to write interesting stories and not dumb them down. Yeah, and it launched a lot of careers as well. I mean, yeah, Rod Serling's. <laughs> well, Richard Matheson, who we just lost just like two years ago, 
was yeah. the you know the big uh and then actors we'll get into too so like i'm excited so like, for episode zero we have to have the pilot and so the pilot uh for us is actually watching the pilot twilight zone which is time element um which that was uh attached to well kevin you said you did some research on the the beginnings of uh time element where it came from yeah it uh basically um What's his name? The producer that was uh, working on the Desilu Playhouse, the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse, was looking for uh, something interesting, a really good script to add some sort of uh, legitimacy to the show. And uh, he stumbled across Serling's script, and I think this is Serling's first sci-fi script, if I if I had that right. I, I believe you're right, because I know he was an established <laughs> television writer, and he wanted to do something different, and basically the system was telling him no, and he was like, well, I'm still going to do this. Like, he was very much, if there's such a thing as, like, a rock star for this, I mean, he was that guy, he was blazing the trail. Yeah, well, I guess this didn't go over well with critics and the uh, the uh, TV, what do you call it, the uh, CBS uh, aired on, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know what do you call it cbs um i guess it didn't the one go of over three channels well. that was on the air at that time yeah so but it did go really it went well with the uh, audience and critics so okay so like uh um when you when you watch this uh you said you you ended up seeing it with the bookends of the desilu playhouse with uh with yeah Desi with Arnaz. the uh, westinghouse fridge commercial <laughs> yeah um, it was like, and I remember when I first watched it, it was like, it had the whole, like I found a video online of the whole thing and it was just kind of interesting seeing, uh, Desi Arnaz kind of, uh, there was two Serling surrogates that we know, <clears throat> excuse me. in like the way that the shows are always kind of introed where you have like the voiceover of like what's going on with the person. Um, but like hearing Desi kind of take the Rod Serling bit to begin with was just really, really odd. Cause it's like, he, he almost felt like he wasn't, he wasn't sure what he was saying as he was saying it. But he's yeah, saying it really well, fast. He's just reading it like, wait, what are we doing on my show? <laughs> yeah. He's like, but I'm home. No, uh so uh it was it was interesting. Like it was like so for a show that was kind of like a pilot, there's a lot of um there's a lot of foundation in place going forward for what we know as the standard Twilight Zone. Yeah, like, I mean, as you go through the episode, I almost forgot as I was watching it that it wasn't actually a Twilight Zone episode because it really does have all the staples of Twilight Zone as it went on. Yeah, I just, so I mean, it's, it felt like polished. I mean, it definitely had Sterling's voice, like not as in like voiceover, but I mean more like just his the way he writes dialogue was all there, you know. And and I almost felt like the psychiatrist character was almost a surrogate for Ster, uh, for Sterling as well. Because he was almost wearing like the same like dark jacket and like tie, <laughs> and it was like and he kept offering cigarettes to people. So I was like, man, this is like like you know psychologist Serling here talking to this dude on the couch. It felt really <laughs> really bizarre. So uh, before we get right into the episode though, uh, just some context. I did some research about the air date, which was November twenty fourth, nineteen fifty eight. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rod Serling was thirty three years old at the time of this production, I believe. So you know that gives hope for the rest of us. Like you know just. If you haven't found your your thing yet, keep working. You can do it. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was working a lot before this, but this was really his big breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so Dwight D. Dwight D. Eisenhower is president, which that plays into the episode itself later. Um, with the with the Richard Nixon as vice president, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, the number one song in the USA at the time was uh, Tommy Edwards. It's all in the game. You've heard the song. Like if you play it, you'll you'll know it. But there was a very young artist by the name of Elvis Presley that had two songs in the top ten at the time. 
So I thought that was uh, interesting that he quite hasn't, he wasn't as, as you know, the, the prominent rock guy he was going to be, but he was in the top 10 a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, but the other, the other weird thing I found out about this, and I was waiting to tell, tell Kevin this until we started recording, was the night this aired, uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball were at a, a comedy club, or sorry, at a club getting roasted by comedians. Um, and there was a comedian there named Harry Einstein that died while performing at their roast that night while this was airing. Oh, no. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It has nothing to do with the show. I just thought that was really bizarre that the, the, the night that this aired, it's like, oh, I'm just, I, oh, that was a good show, guys. We, we, did, the, we did the refrigerator commercial. Cool. I'm going to go to this roast now. And then that happens. So I thought that was really bizarre. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a strange omen. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, um, uh, episode proper, do you want to kind of get into like the, the, what, like, the, the basis of the story? Yeah, we can get into the plot. Um, I think it goes without saying that we're going to be spoiling these episodes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you should probably watch this before you listen to this. I mean, this, this episode's only over fifty years old, so hopefully, you know, I don't know what the time, like the the statute of limitations for spoiling the Twilight Zone. Yeah, well, this one's pretty hard to find compared to the rest of the series. That's true. So you can find it online. I won't name sources, but you can find it. <laughs> <clears throat> Wait, All right, sorry. so you want me to jump into the plot? Yeah, um, please, if you just want to kind of get into like what, what was going on here with, um, with this gentleman and his problem. All right, so there's a man who goes by uh, Peter Jensen who goes into a psychiatrist's office, which his name was Dr. Gillespie, and uh, he keeps having this reoccurring dream, which he feels like it's real, that he's waking up. I guess I should give the time when he uh, gets there. It's uh, October 4th, 1958, and uh, he keeps having this reoccurring dream that he's waking up in Honolulu, which he was in New York, on uh, December 6th, 1941. And uh, if you know your history, you know what happens on December 7th, 1941. And uh, so he realizes shortly after waking up in this hotel that he has gone back in time somehow. And uh, he tries to warn people about the coming Pearl Harbor disaster, and it goes from there. Well, because every time he wakes back up, like, the, the dream supposedly is uh, Hawaii, and he wakes up, and it's always, like, the same events. And he's telling the psychiatrist, like, I've been doing this for a week now. Every time I go I go to sleep, I wake up there, um, and then I wake up, and it's like, you know, and then it just basically, he, he keeps trying to convince the psychiatrist, like, hey... This can't be this this is not a dream. It feels it basically it feels Yeah, it feels real. too real. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they kind of go through showing him going to Hawaii, which I I just uh, I like that his first instinct is like, "Oh, I might be time traveling. I'm going to pick up every phone I can find and place sports bets." That's yeah. like I like that was the first uh cuz I was like, "You know, I'd probably think of something like that too where it's like, "Oh, I'm back in time." I'm going to make the, some money. My mind went, what do you do with that money? Do you like hide it in bags and then come back to it? If you ever make it back to <laughs> current time, yeah. like what do you do with that? Money? That's true. But I just, I made me think of like a weird, like uh back to the future two thing where it's like, why is everybody obsessed in the fifties with sports betting and like knowing <laughs> the scores? It just felt really, really weird. But I like that his whole instinct is to, is to drink a lot and then to, to place bets. Um, there's a bit where he wanders into the bar in the hotel, um, this is how he starts to figure out what time, what year it is. Um, he makes a comment that he went to sleep in New York and woke up in Hawaii, and it's like a 30-day bender, and no one in the bar says, dude, you have a problem. 
Well, I love the guy sitting next to him. He uh, tells him a story. He's like, I was once out for like 60 days or something. And he thanks Morphine for it. <laughs> yeah. It was this really, it's just, I don't know. It just felt like uh, it was a different time where it's like, oh, you had a, a bender where you end up like going across an ocean and ending up at an island. Good on you. That's fine. I, th- I think the a guy at the bar's exact words were in the arms of Morphine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little, you know. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's a little, a little different time now, right? So, but it was just, yeah. uh, that was interesting. Um, I like, uh, the, so why I like the Twilight Zone and, and, and the, the show and like time element is that even though there is definitely like, it's only three sets, right? You got your psychiatrist's office, you got your, your hotel room, and then you got your bar. Um, and it very much was written like a stage play. I, there's something about that line delivery and that setup that gets me every time where it is, it has to be pure character work because you don't have. Yeah. You're not relying on visuals and uh, imagery or anything. You're just relying on the script and the performances. And and that's why I think that it really does work. So this was your first time watching it. Um, I had watched it previous when I had pitched the idea of doing this show with you. This was a while ago. So I'd watched it like, you know, a few months ago. Liked it, ended up watching it again. For whatever reason, I ended up having to watch it on uh, YouTube, which I probably shouldn't recommend that because it's like in six parts. But the, the, the way it was uploaded, maybe you'll get a kick out of this. It was during the free trial of um, the free preview of Nick at Night whenever Nickelodeon was thinking about uh, like starting that as um, a 24-hour service. Yeah. So like they kicked off their Nick at Night programming with showing time elements. So every so often you see a Nick at Night thing scroll across the bottom of the screen as I'm trying to, <laughs> and it just felt really surreal because it's like the, yeah Nick at Night. All I did was rescue old television, and I'm watching old television, and it's just it was it was weird. Um, but I ended up having to watch it in like segments, and it still held up. Like it was, yeah. I, I don't. Would just, you would yeah. you say it's almost like you went back in time? <laughs> yes, I was whisked away to the magic year of uh, 1940. Um, yeah. What was it? 41. Yeah. 41. <laughs> wow. I'm bad about that. So that's uh, something else is going to ask you to, uh, as, uh, aside from the episode. It, so you think about it, like he went back 17 years. If we, we went back, back 17 years now, it would be, um, like April 8th, 1989. Um, yeah. With the knowledge that you have now, that's about a year and a half away from like nine eleven. Like that's like really the big thing is that he's there the day before Pearl Harbor, the attack for the Japanese sneak attack that they caused all that those problems and launches the U.S. into World War Two officially. Like I'm just trying to think of like the context. Like I I can't wrap my mind around that. Like to have the the foreknowledge that there's going to be this really bad thing. Yeah, and- I, I kind of thought of the same thing with nine eleven because I looked at I was like doing the math. I'm like. Yeah, I guess that would be sort of right before it, you know? And I guess that would be the thing you'd warn people about, because, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest attack in our lives. Yeah, and, 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 and just think about, like, so, and, and, I, and I know that the the concept of war in World War II, uh, that does permeate a lot into the rest of the Twilight Zone in terms of, like, I know they have Civil War stories, they have other stuff, too. Um, it just feels like... It, it was kind of odd that like that was a big it was a big big deal it was a big tragedy the Pearl Harbor you know it's like they were able to candidly show it on TV you know you think that like now it's like you know you hear the phrase too soon I feel like then it was there was a little bit more I don't know like there it was more sacred but they were like back after World War II there was a, there was a lot of that showing up in these programs 
And yeah. I, it's, it's just interesting that because I think since like the whole country felt like they went through it, I think that people were more open to talking about it. Yeah, it was it was kind of a way to get over it. Um, yeah, I mean things things have come a little bit. It's a little bit different now because I mean we had nine eleven movies. What like three years after it happened? That's true. Yeah. So I mean, it, I guess I I agree with you. It being more sacred back then. Well, I mean, because I mean, they, we had not seen there had not been conflict like on that such a scope. I mean, I, World War One was like you know that was big, but I mean, this became like it was the first first one with like you know um, film coverage, right? So people, yeah, it really stuck in people's minds. And then the whole idea that this ensign that so so um, the gentleman meets uh, a, a new couple, like the, they're married like less or a little over a day in the hotel bar, and he he's an ensign on the Arizona, which was like the famous ship that got sunk. In Pearl Harbor, like that's where they have the memorial on top of it and everything. So, yeah. like just just name dropping that made uh, our our hero, so to speak, kind of wig out for a second and be like, "What are you talking about? That's like the thing's buried in the mud." And then the, then the you know the guy took offense to that because like, how dare you say that an American ship would be in the mud? Like it was it was yeah. <laughs> it was a little weird. Um, and then also the woman, I felt bad for her because all she could do is giggle and drink. That's all she did the entire entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> um that's what i'm doing right now so it's all right. <laughs> so uh anyway i i thought that was interesting to think about the context in which you'd like you know if i kept dreaming and going back to 99 you know i just i wonder like what i would do other than play sports bets because clearly that's what you do um i just and also you feel like you could warn people but i think they take you even less seriously than the local press took him which your first instinct is to run to the paper and say hey guys this is happening tomorrow and no one believed him. And, yeah. and I have a screen cap I'll put up whenever we do post this the, of the guy's drawing. Do you remember the uh, drawing of the, that was a, that was a really weird moment <laughs> when they find the drawing. I had to rewind and see if I missed something because when he's telling the newspaper editor about it, he's taking notes, but I guess he's just really drawing a picture of what he's saying. Yeah. But as, as the editor is leaving, there's the other guy in there. That picks it up, and he's like, oh, you better be careful, or I uh, might have to turn you in to the loony bin. And then they get real serious at each other, and the scene's <laughs> over. Yeah, right? And I was, I was like, do they know something? <laughs> and, well, the, the drawing was like a very rudimentary drawing of a boat being bombed by an airplane. And it's like, I just something about that cracked me up when I, upon my second viewing. It's like... Like really, that's that's what you did the entire time. Like you could have written like this guy's nuts or something on this piece of paper, but yeah. it just felt like. But also, it felt kind of weird to remind the audience what was happening the next day. I'm pretty sure they knew what happened at Pearl Harbor. You know, you didn't yeah. need you didn't need a, a roughly drawn picture to show. But yeah, whatever, I thought that was just kind well, of odd. There, there's another funny thing that shows up on paper later on in the episode. We'll get to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, you might know what I'm talking about. I, I think so. Um, I, I just watched this. You think I'd, I have to go back in time and watch it again? Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. But the stuff with the uh, the engineer on the Arizona, the stuff where he's trying to convince them in the bar is really, really enthralling. Like I loved it. Yeah, and, and so like he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, our, our hero. I keep using that term loosely because he's he's kind of a jerk like the yeah, entire time. Yeah. Like the whole bit when he first walks down to the hotel bar and he's like, I'm going to have a, a seat at the bar. And the guy's like, well, there's no seats available. And he's like, listen, 
if the president walked in right now, you'd have a seat for him. The guy's like, well, yeah. He's like, well, he's not coming. I'll take his seat. And he just goes up to the bar. <laughs> that, uh, that felt like such dialogue at that time where it's like, listen here, see, I'm going to say something smart and just walk up or I'll sock you in the face. I'm, um, I'm probably going to steal that line though. Be honest about the, about the president. I, yeah, I, I definitely. hope you do. That'd be amazing. Um, so it, it he kind of is like this guy that, you know, we, we know he's a drunk. Um, we know that he is kind of he doesn't have many scruples because his first instinct is to take advantage of the situation and not actually be helpful. And, but only when he finally starts to realize that there's a young couple that, you know, he doesn't want them to he doesn't want them to, you know, have like tragedy the next day. Then he starts to get invested. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's which which, which him reasoning with them. It starts out so well. Yeah. And then he decides that he's going to start screaming war songs at them. <laughs> yeah, like that whole bit where he gets socked into the jukebox and starts singing songs, like telling the whole bar, like, I'm warning you. It felt like, I mean, it's important because those are songs that came because of that tragedy and because of our march into World War II. Yeah. It, it felt like, though, it's like, if you're from the future, then start, I don't know, say something more fantastical, I guess, than singing songs. I don't know what else you would do, though. You know, like, he already kind of let the let it slip about the president you know with eisenhower and they're like who you know yeah. <laughs> i also liked him trying to challenge the guys in the newspaper office he's like hey do you know what a sputnik is like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like rock and just roll? look at each other yeah um but I, I don't know i just i feel like him getting hysterical wasn't helping his case no and, and did, I don't know if you noticed or not. He, he said the L.A. Dodgers. I don't know if you caught that. I mean, I know you're not a big sports guy. There was no Western baseball in, in the 40s. And the big deal was that, like, Brooklyn Brooklyn went to L.A. Um, like, the, the New York Giants went to, uh, you know, San Francisco. So that all came, like, within years of after World War II. So he was, uh-huh. like, like, dropping a big, like, you guys don't even know about baseball on the West Coast. And then he just ran out of the office. Like, it was really kind of <laughs> odd. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, so um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know what I would do in the same situation like, other than drink because I'd be in Hawaii and I'd be freaking out. Um, I'd also try to realize that if this is a dream and every time I go back there, I'm in the same spot, I'd probably try to find out if that hotel had a basement. That's just my thought. I don't know. I would take that couple and say, hey, guys, we're going to we're going to party tonight and then make sure they pass out and drag them to the basement of the hotel. I think they might be okay. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's just my thought. But that's not the only twist, though. And, and, well, and this is that's it, saying yeah. that he has control over the dream, though. That's true. Because it, if it's the same dream every time, he might not have control to change it. Yeah, which, I mean, in, in a modern, if you're telling that story today, there would have been... There would have been. I already, t- I already have a headache trying to pick plot holes in that. If it was a modern story, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because if it was a modern story, they would, they'd have to find a reason for why it's happening. Because I mean, they're really, because he, he never was in Hawaii. That was the whole thing. Like they kept trying to say that he was never there for this. You don't even know if he served in the army. You don't even really know any of his backstory. Um, but if this was a modern story, it'd have to have some kind of tie where he goes there and it's probably like, like his first love or, you know, his, um, you know, his mother or something. It would have been some kind of convoluted thing as opposed to, I drank so much. I woke up in the forties, you know, like that's the power of whiskey. I don't know. Sounds like a great night. Scotch. (laughs) Scotch. Sorry. Scotch. scotch. (laughs) Let's be clear. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of respect that there was no. Uh, tangential connection to every, to the people around him. Like there was no immediacy other than these are just people at a hotel and you have to be walking in. I respect that. That's different. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what kind of the genius of a lot of these uh, Twilight Zones is just the simplicity of the story. Yeah. And it, again, it's just, uh, 
Uh, yeah, you're right. As we go forward, it's just solid. It's just solid writing. I mean, there's nothing way too overly complex about them, but they're just solid, good stories. And then you actually had actors like I'm sure um, this gentleman, uh, the actor Bendix, William Bendix. Um, he probably grew up. I mean, he grew, he was born in 1906. I'm going to venture a guess and think that he did probably some a lot of live theater before getting into to movies. And then yeah, TV he was shows. mostly theater and TV. Yeah, and I mean, back when he started acting, theater and TV were basically the same thing because it was all stage plays anyway. Yeah, and back when he started probably getting to acting, like uh, movies probably were just getting sound. You know, like it was kind of a is a weird transition. But like you get these people that are like these. Um, he was I actually looked it up. He was 52 when this was being, when this was being shot. I always kind of think that people back then always age faster because of the constant smoking and drinking. He didn't look 52 to me. Like, I don't know. It was just really, I didn't know how old he was. I was expecting him to be like, he was 28. And it's like, oh my God, I felt so bad for him. But no, he was like, <laughs> you know, but he, it was, it was weird. Like you don't see leading, you don't see leads in TV shows, even one off stories. You don't see that anymore. You don't see someone picked because of their acting ability. I mean, to a degree you do, but you pick them because they have a look and he, you know, he, he looked like an everyman. And I, I think that's another thing about twilight zone. They, they would cast like everybody, you know? And like, if you could do theater and you could talk, then you could be on the show. And it was, yeah. I, I liked it. Uh, you know, except for that, that young dashing, uh, Mr. William Shatner, which we'll get to eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so what did you think of there? There, this, there wasn't just one twist in this episode. There was a couple, yeah. So, what did you think about that? I was I, most Twilight Zones have like one, but this had like four of them. Yeah. Well, which one do you want to get into first? I guess. Well, I mean, the first question. one was that he, you know, he actually is going back in time. That's the first one. It's like, oh, this actually isn't just a dream. It's actually, you oh, know, what's going yeah, on. Yeah. When when he says he, uh, so he's back in the doctor's office. It's present day, and he uh, tells him that he found. He remembered the couple's name he was talking to and remembered their hometown and called him and found the soldier's mother and asked what happened to him. And she said he died on the Arizona in Pearl Harbor. So it proved that he was there to the doctor. Yeah. So, I mean, that was was a great twist. I mean, I kind of saw that one coming. Yeah, but that's usually the one that, in a lot of modern stories. That's the one that you say for the very end of like, oh, he was right the entire time, type of thing, you know? But yeah, they, that was the that was all I was expecting. But looking at the runtime, I still had ten minutes left, so I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> that's that, that's <laughs> true. Uh, um, so th- that happens, and then for whatever reason, he is like talking, like lying on the couch after having numerous cigarettes being handed to him by the, the, the psychiatrist, which <laughs> I counted. There was four separate times in the episode where he, someone was offered a cigarette or handed a cigarette. That's a really low number. I was expecting it to be like somewhere in like the, the mid teens for, I only got three. I was counting two, <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm, I'm sure I missed one. Um, so he's lying on the couch and it's like, for whatever reason, the doctor just lets him fall asleep. I don't know what happened, but he falls asleep and then he ends up back in the dream, which I actually like that little sequence that showed, kind of like an overlay of the dream on his forehead, like a kind of a weird cutaway type of thing. And it kind of showed the events that we already saw kind of like real fast. I liked that effect. I mean, it was very simple, but you didn't have to go through the whole story again. And it got caught up to the point to where he's, where he's always been waking up is that the planes are coming, you know? So, um, and I also find it kind of funny that he, he suffers from the same problem that all these stories suffer from where the most important moment that you have to be uh, like ready for 
you, you've, you've been knocked out previous to, or you're waking up just as it's happening. That's really good timing for every story to be like, crap, these planes are coming. I wake up just as they're coming again. That's really convenient. Like if he had just stayed blackout drunk and passed out, he maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe he would have never known, you know, like it's just, I, I don't know. I'm using bad time travel logic for this. I don't, I don't know. Uh, how can he not? Every time I watch anything that involves time travel, I end up overthinking it. Yeah, right. So, um, so he he ends up back there at the moment where uh, the planes are coming, and for whatever reason, his first instinct is to go to the window and <laughs> yell as he's like, you know, planes are shooting, and then he gets shot. You know, like that's it. Like you're you're shot, you're done. Um, you die back then, and then that's where the other twist happens. Like the yeah. So yeah. then the doctor wakes up. And the bed that Jensen was laying on is now empty. Yeah. And so you have this whole moment of like, he's like, what was I doing here? I'm going to check my appointment book. Oh, it says I had no appointments today. I should be golfing. Well, that was the other moment when he opens up his appointment booklet. It says written across the whole page, no appointments today. <laughs> like, Do you really have to write that? That's right. Yeah. I forgot. Like, just a reminder, no appointments today. Um, so yeah, and then he ends up, uh, like leaving his, his, uh, place of work, like d- just confused and goes to a bar and sees a photo of, of Jensen and he asks about him and someone's like, oh yeah, yeah. He used to be a bartender here years ago, which they, he talked about that previous in the episode saying that he did a little bit of work in the area, but he died in World War II and at Pearl Harbor. And that was the other twist is that he actually did die back then, but he existed somehow in the fifties, but then he died in the forties and somehow the doctor knew, it but didn't know it was a weird, it was a weird resolution for that because he kept talking about the idea of like a paradox, but he didn't say paradox. Yeah. It's, well, even uh, Desi Arnaz after it talks about his idea of what happens. And he says that the doctor just saw the picture so many times at that bar that he just had a dream about him. <laughs> I forgot um, about that's that. the simplest way you can take it. <laughs> well, cause like, so it's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, when I originally watched this, you're right. I had the Desi Arnaz, the, the outro, and then I bought a fridge cause he told me to, um, I, but when I watched it on YouTube, they, they, that bit wasn't there. And I remember reading online about how he had to explain the, the ending because back then audiences weren't used to, um, like no resolution in their stories. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they that people weren't stupid, but they weren't sophisticated with this kind of storytelling to be like, oh, there must have been something more going on here, you know. So it was it was weird. <laughs> I like that Desi had to explain it though. I know <laughs> he just comes out like there's there's different ways you can take that, but this is probably the right way. <laughs> <laughs> like thanks, Desi. Yeah, it's like now go to that roast and watch a comedian die telling you jokes. There you go. <laughs> Um, that's so weird. I don't know like why I found of all the trivia I could find about that date. That seems like the most oddly specific one about him. I don't know. It was just really weird. Um, so, um, we are going to eventually come up with like a plot twist meter, which I think will be fun. Like I, I made a joke about it being like, like uh, out of five, four or five ashtrays full of cigarettes. Um, what do you think in terms of like a Twilight Zone plot twist? How do you feel that this is like, is it like your, your run of the mill one? Like when you weren't seeing, like, what do you, where do you put this at in terms of like, um, like what your expectation was versus what happened? We're, do- we're doing the five cigarettes. Um, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably say three out of five. It was a good twist. I, I, there are so many more that are just so much better. So but not, not taking anything away from this. Cause I mean, this is the first time 
we've seen this kind of type of plot twist. So, I mean, you got to give it some credit where credit's due. Yeah. I'd give the first one like a one and then I'd get like the last one a three. Cause like if, if, if the only twist had been that he eventually made contact with the, the family after I, you know, that feels like that is like older than the episode itself. But the yeah, I'm, that, I'm not even going to count that one. And I'm just going to give it a three based on the other one. There we go. All right. So, um, was there anything else that you had? Like you said, you had some interesting information about, um, you said the doctor, uh, Dr. Gillespie, Martin Balsam. Oh, was Martin, that? uh, Balsam. Balsam. Yeah. That dude was in everything. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is 12 angry men and he's juror number one in that. Oh, nice. Um, he was in psycho and most importantly, we'll tie into my other podcast. Um, he's in tons of Polizia films, Italian cop and uh, gangster movies. Oh, that must have made you really happy then watching. Oh that. man, he's been in movies with both Mitchums, oh. which made me super happy because he was in uh, Cape Fear, and then he was in Meet Him and Die with Chris Mitchum. Nice. So, uh, yeah. I, and I, I know I, I found the one thing he was um, he played an admiral in Tora Tora Tora, which was also about dealing with the attack of Pearl Harbor. So he yeah. was in a movie about a Pearl Harbor attack after doing this. I thought that was. Uh, and I, I feel like I have to mention he was also in Delta Force and Death Wish 3. <laughs> <laughs> this is the stuff that I love because even like I know as we go forward, we're going to find these weird connections. I mean, they're going to they're going to stop at a certain point because, I mean, obviously the people associated with this, like as we go forward, more and more of them are not going to be around anymore. Like I say, except for the Shatner. I don't know when he's leaving this earth, um, but you're going to find like a lot of weird like 70s and 80s, I'm sure. Like, and I'm, I'm going to be so happy when we find all these connections of all these things that we love. Oh, um, yeah. Well, this guy, too, will pop back up. I think he's in a few other uh, Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, excellent. I looked, and William Bendix is not. I thought he he had that kind of um, Warren, not Warren Beatty. That's not right. Um, Oh, shoot. Um, What's his name? Uh, Was it not Warren Beatty? Um Ned Beatty. He had kind of a Ned Beatty look. To oh, okay. Him. Yeah, I, I, I could I, see I had that. the Beatty rate, but not the right name. But this, he kind of that kind of like he. I could saw him being like like a, like, a, like a comedy relief in a Twilight Zone episode because there's some funny ones too. And he never showed back up again. Yeah, because he died back in World War II is probably what happened, and then they forgot about him on the Twilight Zone. They're like, who was that guy? It's like I don't know. I saw a photo of him once, and then they moved on. Um, another fun thing, you know, I'm really into tiki's. I'm really into like the whole Polynesian pop thing of the forties and fifties and into the early sixties. And, uh, this came out the same year as the South Pacific film. Okay. So the fact that this takes place in Honolulu, like more than half of the movie is in a tiki bar. I just love that. <laughs> were you cribbing notes? Were you like, I could do that next to my bar. I could have, oh, a, yeah. I could have a jukebox I could punch people into and then they'll start singing <laughs> songs. Um, so yeah, I just, um, really, I just, again, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about how like the skeleton, like not even just the skeleton, like a lot of what we know just with our experience with the twilight zone is here, like with the narration, with the beginning of the end of the episodes, even though definitely not Rod Serling and it definitely felt a little like definitely like a radio show as opposed to him reading off what was going on. Yeah. You know, there, there's I a mean, lot there. It, it felt like a twilight zone episode, I will say. Yeah, so um, so I'm glad you got to watch it for your first time. That was good. I, I like I said I've enjoyed it. Um, there's various ways. I, like like I mentioned YouTube. I, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. But mm. again, it's a show that's over 50 years old. I don't know if people are going to be clamoring for like, hey, dare, how dare you? We need we need the rights to that because people are you know like the the estate of William Bendix is angry that that's out there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, 
there's ways to watch it, and I recommend that you do. Um, it's a good episode, and definitely. And, and what's and and I forgot to ask this before we started doing this. Um, I know we're going to watch the first episode of Twilight Zone officially for our next episode. Do we have the name of the episode? The name of the episode is oh man, is it? it I it, just it, saw like, it. is there anybody out there? Is that what it is? Something. Yes, like that? that's okay. what it is. Okay, so that's what we're going to be watching next. Um, I'm going to put some. Uh, uh, some plugs out here. We we do we we do have a Facebook page. Um, it, Episode it, the oh. pilot is where is everybody? Oh, where is everybody? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, is anybody out there? Where is everybody? Questions are going to be asked. There's going to be some answers. Um, maybe maybe there won't be. I don't know. Maybe that's a twist. Um, yeah. And we're going to get into that too because I know that episode deals a lot with um, studio backlots and how they filmed it. And I think that's interesting. That that they, at the time TV shows are like, hey, movie, you done with this? We're going to use your set, and it's cool. It's going to be real cheap. Um, we have a Facebook page. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it does work. Um, we're, we're shooting this on a back, back lot right now. Um, uh, we have a Facebook page. It is uh, strange highways, uh, podcast on Facebook. Uh, we have a Gmail, a strange, Hi- strange highways podcast, a Gmail. Um, you know, the- yeah. Let us know what you think about the episodes as you're watching them. Yeah. And we'll, we'll let people know ahead of time. Hopefully people can figure out that Twilight Zone chronologically means chronologically and that they'll watch them in advance. Maybe, you know, <laughs> be like, I don't know which one they're watching next. Um, but yeah, I, I like that's, please join us. And then like, I think it will be so much fun to rediscover something that's been out there. But I think a lot of people haven't given it the time because I, I, I know, I know a lot of people that I talk to, that are like like the generation behind me, anything like before like 1990, they don't give a shit about. And it's like, it's weird. I don't know why you wouldn't want to dive into this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's something I, I always remember. One of my friends' uh, dad had like the entire Twilight Zone series on VHS. And every time we were over there, we'd end up watching an episode. So I always have fond memories of it. So I, I, it's sad that kids these days don't care about it. I hate kids to sound like days. an old person like that. <laughs> I'm going uh, to sock them in the nose. We're going to talk like those people back then and give them a pop in the face. Yeah, um, they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Keep listening. Yeah, keep listening. So, all right. Uh, any any final thoughts? I mean, I think that we covered I think we covered the, the plot of the show faster than they did. Yeah, um, definitely. Kind of. You know. um, no, I think that covers uh, my notes for the show. Cool. All right. Well, um, we'll see you next time for Where Is Everybody? Well, maybe we'll find out where everybody is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and, and until then, uh, see you next time and um, insert catchphrase here. Yep. See you guys.